I'm Mary Spicer, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Behind Fashion. In this unprecedented time, the fashion industry, like so many industries, is in distress. We have joined together around the world to demand racial and social justice. No industry is exempt, and the hard work must continue. I created this series so that we can support one another and discuss how to move forward in a thoughtful and collaborative manner. Over the next few weeks, I will introduce you to many of the people behind the scenes, designers, directors, models, and so many more. With a virus that discourages the touching of clothing, the interaction of people, what does the future hold for the fashion industry, and how are our roles changing? I look forward to collaborating and sharing our ideas and journeys as we move forward in this new world. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce all of you to fashion designer and stylist, Tato Momalu was born in Monrovia, Liberia, and attended boarding school in Canada. She was a graduate of the L'Academie des Couturiers Design Institute in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, Ontario, I'm waving. Hi, Tato. Um, Tato and her family relocated to Canada in 1990, following the coup in Liberia a year prior. Tato launched her custom line while working as an independent fashion designer in 2010. Inspired by her African roots, um, Tato is stamping her global brand with fashion-forward women's wear, ultimately creating art that celebrates the essence um, of her rich heritage through the use of traditional and luxury fabrics. Advancing her field experience, she auditioned for and earned a spot on the fifth season of Bravo TV's hit show, Project Runway. So I saw your um, get on a reality show and survive video, and I love it. And we get to see your first audition. And during that, you say, my daughter is four years old. What is her name and how old is she now? She is 16. You guys pray for me. Oh and her God. name is Elise Nambia Briggs. Okay. <laughs> she has been on the runway. You see, she's usually, she was usually really super outgoing. So you see, she grabbed both my, both her hands with mine. She was so scared. That was her first time ever doing that. And all those people, she was like, mama, I don't know what we're doing, but hold me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they always think it's fine till they get out there and see yes. everyone. <laughs> Another addition since then, you have a son, um, Cameron. Yes, Cameron, yes. He is my... He's my jungle baby. He just loves being out in the woods and the trees. He loves living in Arkansas for sure, but he is my African baby, I call him. <laughs> and I love him on the runway. I have a picture up of it. I, he's just so cute. Um, you know, and that just shows fashion is a family business and I couldn't mm -hmm. go all of that without showing the family and everybody that's behind us when we're working. And yeah. It takes a village. It really does. And, you know, designers, we come out and get to take the, the physical bow and everyone sees us and gives us all the applause. But I could not do it without my team. Like they're backstage, like crying and jumping up and screaming. And I usually get out of that runway because I can't wait to go back there and just hug them and be like, oh, my God, we did it. You know, not me, but we did it. Right. It's it's true. It really is. It's a family business. Everybody's involved. Yes. Um, your, your signature fusion of color and diversity in style and presentation 
In addition, your feisty spirit resonated well with audiences of Project Runway. In the end, it earned you the prize of fan favorite and ultimately a placement of first runner-up at season's close. Your brand has over the years expanded to include creating an accessory line for Dillard's Incorporated department stores, producing yes. eco-friendly jewelry line for the Smithsonian Museum stores, designs to uniforms for the Walton Family Museum, Crystal Bridges, um, serves as the Cheerios ambassador for the ShopRite Partners in Caring um, Knockout Hunger Campaign, and you contribute your time and talents to countless charitable and philanthropic endeavors. Yes. Uh, Cutco was listed in the top five designers to watch at her debut season at New York Fashion Week spring-summer 2009 season. In the fall of 2019, Cutco collaborated with Women Grow, an organization focused on female leadership in the cannabis industry. The Cutco mm -hmm. for Women Grow line was created and presented at New York Fashion Week for spring-summer 2020. The line included sustainable fabrications, including hemp and cork. And I have a photo here because I think it's like vegan food. Back in the 80s when we ate it, it was it was sawdust, and now it tastes great. What people think of as hemp and pork. I mm -hmm. How beautiful is that? And it's flowing. I was like, let it flow, girl. Yes, oh. it's all changed and so much better. And I love all of it. I had a great time making that collection. That was actually probably the collection to me that set my career where it needs to be. And it was my last time at Fashion Week before all this happened. So I felt like I ended on a bang. If it never happens again, I ended with like fireworks at Disney World. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, I don't wanna I don't wanna brag, but I was there and it was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Revolutionary. It was fantastic. Thank um, you. Absolutely. The energy that night, it was like electric. Like I could feel it. Like I was so emotional. My gosh. <laughs> I mean, we all knew we were we were there watching history happen. Um, as we start talking about um, sustainability and things moving forward and females in the industry and how we're all working together. Now you also have an IMDB page because you appeared in Project Runway, Project Runway All-Star Challenge, the Wendy Williams show, the Monique show, and you made a guest appearance on the TV series, My Chapter and Birth. Yes. So you have also headlined fashion shows worldwide in places like Arkansas, the British Isles, Canada, the Cayman Islands, Chicago, Colorado, Honduras, um, Jamaica, Liberia, Los Angeles, Minnesota, New York, Nigeria, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, D.C., and we could probably go on and on. Everybody yeah, I mean, my goal at some point was to do all 50 states. It's <laughs> <laughs> good because everyone around the world, and what I try to explain is fashion is international. It's national. Yes. There, there are different um, flavors and things that we bring to it, but everybody is wearing everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You've also appeared in media such as Arise, L. Essence, Marie Claire, Us Weekly, Harper's Bazaar, Jay, Ebony, Women's Wear Daily, and Forbes. And you have, I love this, you have a drink named after you. Yes. And anyone wondering, um, that has tequila, guava, or mango nectar, pineapple juice, and a spritzer. And you know I'm going to try that this weekend. <laughs> you should. 
year. You also have a day named after you. The Cutco Momolu Day in Little Rock, Arkansas is on November 13th. Welcome, Cutco. Yes. Thanks for joining us all. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> now, I mailed you a mug. I don't know if you got it. Yeah, you know, the post office right now. We thought yeah, we're in the times. We're in the times where you can't even take anything personal. Like life is happening, and if something actually comes to completion, just be happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still gonna cheers you and your. Please do. I'm gonna make a cutsotini and put it in it when it does get here, and I'll send you pics with me. Oh my god! <laughs> and your cutsotini day, but more, most importantly, I want to celebrate your creativity and your designs that you have shared with us and will continue to share with us for many more years. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so before we start talking all things fashion, there is a pandemic happening. COVID-19 is going on. It is not slowing at this point. Um, so how are you and your family doing? We're surviving. That's the best word that I can usually give when people ask. Like, we're getting through it. It's We're creating what our norm is. Um, every day is an adventure. Every day you're not sure what's going to happen, if this is the day that's going to change your life. So it's scary. It's scary. But um, I'm enjoying the quiet time. I'm enjoying the time to reflect on things that usually I'm too busy to even think about and just on the go and rushing here and rushing there. So. I appreciate it. I always call them COVID blessings. I'm like, there are blessings in all of this. And I think we're so harped on like the negative and the TV and what everybody's saying. We don't sit down, sit any time to really think about the positive. There's a lot of positive that's coming out of it. So that's how I'm getting through it. I'm focusing on the positive, embracing it, and really being thankful for it. Yeah, I'm glad everybody is safe. You're doing well. It is a lot on the kids. It's a lot on us. Mm -hmm. Well, tomorrow there's not school. The next day there's school again. So every day. Oh my God, we, we start on Monday. So yeah, definitely pray for me. <laughs> I, absolutely. I absolutely will. Um, there's a documentary out called Men and Women of Distinction. Hutto yes. Moment. And in it, you discuss um, at the time your cousin had breast cancer, had effect on the collection you were working on. Mm -hmm. Out adding these pops of yellow, and you said it, it, then you would remember your friends and your family. Can you explain that a little bit more to me? Mm -hmm. So every collection I've always made has been a birth of what I'm going through at the time. You can tell when I'm like super happy, sad, confused. Cause I, it's like my therapy, you know, I bring it out, you know, in the clothes, most musicians put it on. They say they put it on the track. You got to put on the sewing machine and this fabric. So at the time, my cousin who was just 34 at the time, um, got breast cancer and it consumed the whole family because she was, she's younger than me. She's like my little sister. So, you know, you always hear about it being from like an aunt or somebody older. So it really affected all of us. And I wanted to create some awareness to it and just tell people that it doesn't matter how old you are. Like, if it's coming, it's coming. Um, so the collection did have a lot of pink in it, just really pretty hues of pink and just some colors. It was really girly and just that's how she is, just really super girly and flirtatious. But then I also want to incorporate um, the things that were happening at the time. 
Um, there's a lot of black and white pieces in there as well that reflected what was happening racially at the time while I was making that collection and the yellow. Yellow's always been my favorite color. So you will probably always see some sort of yellow in every collection I do. Um, I put it in there because I think, like I said just now about the COVID blessings, in every bad, there's always good. And that's truly how I get through life. I always try to sit back and say, okay, what, were you, what, what lesson was I supposed to learn here? Because I need to figure it out now because I'm going to like have a mental episode. Um, so throwing the yellow in there was just saying that, yes, there is going to be bad. There's bad every single day, every minute. People around the world are going through worse things than you. But there's always good. And you have to figure out what that good is. You might not appreciate it at that time. But once you look back on the memory because you get through it, that, okay, that was the good thing that came out of this. So I wanted a collection to really speak things that I couldn't really verbally say to people. If someone didn't know me or my story, seeing it come down the runway, that they would they would get it. Mm -hmm. And that's what collections are. They're, they're stories, they're designer stories. Some of them, you don't always get where they're going with it. It's beautiful and some, I, I don't say I make my political, but I do try to put awareness in there that, hey, I know this is going on, I'm not just, an airhead sewing things and making pretty things. I'm very much, you know, a part of the revolution. And I'm here fighting on the, the other side of the sewing machine and just voicing what my opinion is. Because I do have children growing up in this world. And, you know, I want to help do my part to make it a better place. Yeah. And they get nervous every time you leave the house, you or your husband. Yeah. I'm literally on uh, house arrest. <laughs> I can't go to the garage without someone having a panic attack. Where are you going? Uh, just to go get a popsicle. Does anyone else want one? You know, like it's, it's been rough. And you know, kids are going through this anxiety period right now where we're not really honing in on it. But parents, if you have children, teenagers, they're not okay. You know, they're on social media. They want to be with their friends. They want that social interaction that maybe they hated school before. My daughter's like, I hate school. Ah. Now she's like, oh my God, I miss school. Like, you know, so COVID blessings, you know, COVID has allowed my child to see that school is actually a good thing and going every day was actually marvelous now that she's lost it. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's rough on our kids. And I really like, I, I'm actually going to put Cameron in therapy. My 16 year old's in therapy, but I'm going to put my Cameron in there because sometimes they have feelings they don't even know they have. Yeah, But I really believe the anxiety is up. Yeah, and we have to figure out what they're trying to say through their actions. Yes. Um, yeah, and with that collection, we're talking about the pops of pink to yellow. There was a lot of black and white, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it was it was not what I saw was an episode from 2017 when you were talking about this, and in it you said the tension would go away, um, that you hoped the tension would go away, and we would say to each other, "Sorry, we've been treating each other like crap." Um, well, here we are today, 2020. Does this feel like Groundhog Day or are you hopeful? It's hard to be hopeful when, especially with what's happening right now. Like in 2016, what really is 2015, because I was making it a year early, it was the same everyday thing, you know, being Black in America, having to turn a TV on and see people that look like you being shot or discriminated against by the one group of people that are supposed to actually protect you when you make a call you think 
they're going to come help me. And these are the people that were actually doing the crime. So it was, it's, it's a hard place to be as an African-American person, as a Black person, regardless of where you're from, because you look at it and you're not removed from it because you're thinking, my God, that could be me. Sandra Bland could have been me. Yeah. I have a smart mouth and I'm educated and I want to be, I want to know why you're stopping me. And just right. thinking about that, like it, it totally messed me up because I'm like, that could have been me. You know, so I think to it for it to happen right now, the way it's happening, and for people to still be unbothered by it or removed from it and think, oh, it's fine, they're just overreacting. It's not. Every day I leave my house, I don't know if I'm going to come back to my children. Every time a police officer comes behind me, the, the anxiety that comes in me, I can't even explain it. That is my every day. Every day my husband's coming home from work and he's five minutes late. I'm like, oh my God, was there a traffic stop? You never know when you're not going to see people you love based on things that are so silly and simple in your life. You know, now it's just, you can't even go for a walk. You can't, your kids can't put chalk on the sidewalk. I mean, the videos just never stop. Like it's to the point where I don't go on social media like I used to because every time I go on, there's an image of someone being completely misused, just yeah. abused and misused mm -hmm. and completely disrespectful. And we're just in a nation where our leaders, to me, are not coming to the forefront and saying, this is not right. And until that happens, this is going to continue to happen. It's like when your kids are running around amok and the parents never say anything. They're just sitting there going, oh, he's so silly. He's just being Billy. No. Billy needs a talking to. And until you stand up and correct Billy and tell him that what he's doing is wrong and reprimand him, he's going to keep doing that. Because Every other adult in the room can say, Billy, sit down. But until you get up and do it, he's not going to. This is exactly what's happening right now. So I think shame on our leaders. Shame on those that are supposed to guide us and carry us in this world because they failed us, especially the African-American people. 100%. And I know you said that you're not political. And this is not my written next question. But um it's hard to not bring in, like you said, your emotions, your feelings, what's happening today. And I have a picture um, from your Liberia Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. Explain a little bit about this piece. Yes, like that was probably my most powerful piece. When I went back to Liberia, we went back to help marginalized women. Because what happens in a war, when you have like a coup d'etat or a civil war, what they do is they break the families up. They take the men. They take the, you know, the breadwinner, and then they take the women in captivity, the children as toy soldiers, and then they break it up. And then after the war is over, a lot of these women are now without husbands. They're with their children and now having to figure out a way of life, how to carry the family. So we went back to, to teach women how to sew, how to be a designer and use this skill to make money because me as a Liberian woman doing it internationally, they looked up to me. So me saying, okay, you can do this as well by yourself and, and carry a business. So a lot of the women who were actually doing the program and modeling in the show, they had been raped, they had been in captivity with the warlords. There's so many horrible stories. So I wanted to display that in the show, like have beautiful things again. Like that one piece you just showed was my interpretation of rape. Her hands were bound right here. You see them together, like the entire sleeve was connected. So she actually could not move her hands. Her mouth, as you see, that took the cord and kind of covered it so it went over her mouth. She could not speak. And then just here, just 
just you know physicalizing like her 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 body parts and just making it open for everybody to see you know the shame that you have when you have rape i wanted that to be portrayed as soon as she walked out and when the audience gasped i knew i really just hit it on the nail you know the skirt was black the front part of the skirt was like tucked up just really just really not organized at all it was just tucked in these different places just kind of like you know someone shoving your skirt up trying to get right to you and it just needed to be done and needed for people to see that although it's over for those who went through that trauma it's not over they have to deal with those nightmares and the thoughts of everything they went through and then still get up and be mothers still get up and be breadwinners to their family so and it's no different from like what we're going on here you know these families of these victims still have to move forward and still have to go every day not knowing if they're going to be the next one and yeah and fashion is so much more than just a piece of clothing we are voting with our money who we are going to give our money to yes. we are you know talking about what is happening culturally you know when you talk about art or anything like that you can look back and say this is what was happening then because you can see it in the clothing it's all a reflection the clothing the art that's why we have a costume department at the metropolitan museum of art yes yeah yeah and so it's necessary it's, it's mm -hmm. necessary and no matter how we feel there will be some mirror image and um of what's happening and that's fine too because there's yes. also the, the hopeful as well um, now, thinking about how you're treated, you attended school, uh, boarding school in Canada. Um, yes. Now, given the U.S., were you treated the same way as Canada as you are here? No, definitely Canada was a different experience. It was very cultural. There were people there from so many different cultures. Like, your friends would never just be black and white. They'd be Hispanic. They'd be from, like, East India. China, so many different places. And then going to a boarding school like that, like it was all international. There was somebody literally from every continent. Like there was a girl from Madagascar. Like I've never met anybody from Madagascar and there was actually a student there from there. So it was cool to be around like all of the people that you met. And at first I didn't, I didn't understand it, but by the end we got it. Like my best friend, she's from the Bahamas, we're still, best friends today. She's the godparents to my kids. So it really opened up what Canada really was. So outside of that school, you still saw that international environment, you know, um, the, the, the places you could go to eat and just naturally the things that you would do in your daily life. You saw all cultures going to the Greek market or the, the, this market or that market. And it was, it was, it was embraced by the government. You know, there was Canada day, but they also had Somali Day and West Africa Day and you were there to really connect with your community and because they welcome immigrants into that country because at the time of the war in Liberia we were we were not welcome to the U.S. although we have property here my little brother is a U.S. citizen we were denied access they wanted to split us up they told my mom at the U.S. Embassy in Liberia when she was like begging for her life that they would take my brother but she couldn't go so that really sent a huge message to us, you know, I mean, we obviously sold our home once we got to Canada and just took all our property from here. But I'm like, we were paying taxes in this country and we're allowed not to come in here when we were pretty much almost about to be murdered. So for Canada to take us as a family 
it was it was a strong message and i think um there's always going to be love in my heart for for canada and what it represents culturally and environmentally yeah we definitely have a lot of work to do in the united states and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of inequities have come to the forefront um not just in the u.s but let's say in in the fashion industry um we need to make some changes and many many have been made but in what areas do you think we still need to move forward well, I think, I think it's the same conversation, inclusion. Everybody wants to be included. And it doesn't need to be when, like right now, so many things are happening racially. So, so many companies are saying, oh, we want to give grants to you guys and to help you. And, oh, um, you know, all the inclusions happening right now, but we just want it to happen all the time. Not right. just right now when there's a video of someone being murdered unfairly and it just hits the ceiling and there's nowhere to go. But to look up at it, um, just inclusion and not saying to give anybody anything they don't deserve, just recognizing talent. If I'm the talented designer and I wanna show at your venue, let me show. If I have the money, let me show. There's no reason why I'm talented, I have the money. I'm going according to your rules. There's no reason to pick and choose. And then when you start doing that, you're, you're, you're saying, well, we want it to look like this. You know, if, if I am a musician and want to be on a label, if I am a model and want to model um, in the fashion show, if I'm a great walker, I should just be in your show, whether I'm pink with like purple polka dots on my left side and pink stripes on my right. So I think once designers, especially in the casting directors who put the people on our runways understand that, everybody wants to be seen. You know, full figure women want to be seen. Girls with freckles want to be seen. Albinos want to be seen. Girls from Sudan want to be seen. Pale, pale, pale white girls want to be seen. Alien looking women want to be seen. Everybody does. And when you have a runway that includes all of that, people in the audience are like, wow, that's me. I see me. I'm amazing. You know, when we did the Women Grow show, we had everybody from a size uh, two to a size 18. We had women from 18 years old to our oldest model was 56. We had gray hair to pin up short cut pixie. And I think the people in the audience really, I mean, I think that was it. Like that's all I heard like all over the internet that night. Oh my God, the inclusion on this runway is giving me life. Like people just love to see that someone said, you know what, screw all that. I'm doing it my way. And that was kind of my, like my whole attitude like you know what i'm not doing it anymore i'm gonna do it my way i don't care what anybody thinks and i'm going to represent everybody i'm going to have a dark-skinned girl who's short like me and a tall light-skinned girl because i want to be seen you know growing up i used to get the comment oh you're cute for a dark-skinned girl like all the time and that was like a pickup line and i'm not really sure what was i was supposed to pick up but yeah. growing up and hearing stuff like that it does something to you you know uh, that's a very strange pickup line, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we, we've heard seeing very strange things as women. Um, <laughs> there, um, I I mentioned in um, I mentioned your YouTube video, get on a reality show and survive in your bio. Yes. Uh, so in it, you're in front of a panel of people, and one of those people is actually a guest I had a couple weeks ago, Christina Knowles, when she was with IMG. And, oh, um, awesome. She came on. Yeah, she, 
I know. I was like, I know that lady. Uh, <laughs> when I interviewed her, she talked about how the fashion calendar had changed to um, go before Europe so that we, people didn't keep saying we were imitating them, that we were imitating yes. European designers. And so now it's September, February. She thinks we need to go back to October and April. Do you agree with that? What do you think? I really do. Like the time between September and February, it's like you go home and take a nap after September and you're like, oh my God, the next day, oh my God, it's the February shows. There's, it's not enough of a break. And designers are put under this unreasonable pressure to just perform all the time. And then you're on to the next and you're here and you're there. And con consumers can't even catch up either. You know, by the time you see something you love, it's gone because then the seasons are changing and then the the other stuff is coming in. Like it just needs to be a more manageable system where designers can really come out and show what they want to show and move forward with it and then have enough time to create for the following season. And then also with the stores, you know, how we're getting it into our people and how they're getting it and seeing it. Sometimes consumers can't really get it because it's just all over the place. So I really do think that would work better October would be amazing. In fact, I was actually going to break the rules and show my collection in October this year because I'm the boss of me and I'm going to do that. <laughs> I love but I'm all the way for it. In fact, that's what a lot of designers are doing. I've got a lot of uh, virtual show invites, but they're all airing in October. So I think everybody's like, you know what? Who owns this schedule? Like, why are we a slave to this schedule? Like, and that's the thing with anything in life. Like we are creating like these slave situations for ourselves when really, who's the boss of you? I am, so I'm not doing it. I'm not showing up and I'm gonna do it how I wanna do it. And my, my girl is gonna receive it just the same, whether it's a month later or not. Right. And I think once designers realize that, that they have the control, like you control everything. We all get together and be like, we're not doing it. What are they gonna do? <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, in thinking about that, are you going to do, are you still going to do something uh, maybe online? Like a, a video for your brand? Oh. Yes. I'm, wondering, I'm actually going to do a film. I'm going to create like this film. It'll be a fashion show, but it'll be a film that's obviously going to have some political um, innuendo in there. But um just kind of going back to that 60s and 50s during the civil rights movement when everyone looked like they were like 40 and 50, but they were like 20 and they dressed a certain way. You know, I miss that era. Like I see kids now and they have no idea how to dress. They have no idea like how when you walk into a room and you look a certain way, it just speaks volumes to people. So I kind of want to go back to that, having younger models dressed up, wearing ties, girls wearing, you know, things that aren't, above the hip line but you know just still long but still sexy still mysterious and still beautiful and just showing my voice of what i think clothing needs to go to because i think it's running amok right now honestly i don't go to the mall i don't shop online a lot um but when i do i'm i'm very disappointed and disgusted with what's there like this is what we're giving people like it's, yeah. it's just not, there's no individuality and so much. So I think um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about filming. It's something different for me. And once again, a COVID blessing, I'm allowed to just use my creativity to do something different, to show my art to those that love it and just make it more intimate. And also throwing some shady messages in there along the way. I would be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs>
has an art foundation that started a summer camp with classes for underprivileged and underserved kids. You donate time doing classes, teaching them things like how to make jewelry um, and a little bit of fashion history. Mm-hmm. Those classes during the pandemic. Yes, we actually just wrapped a couple of weeks ago. We did we did it virtually this year, which was very challenging. But what we did, we sent the kids like a big uh, duffel bag, not duffel, but like a, a tote bag full of all the materials they would need for the week. And then each day we had like activities that like we, I did gardening. I grew a garden this summer during the pandemics. And um, I thought, well, why don't we show them how to grow things? So we actually grew flowers and vegetables. So that was one of the things I did. I also did like a, um, we call it a sip and paint. And it's usually an adult thing where you go, you have drinks and you paint. But I was like, let's send them like sippy cups and little umbrellas and we'll go to Hawaii and do like a virtual trip to Hawaii. And um, I dressed up, I had like a lay on and grass skirt and wavy hair. And it was really fun. So we got this paint, this uh, beautiful sunset with some turtles holding hands while they were swimming. And the kids really loved it. It was something different for them. Some of them have been to Hawaii for the ones who didn't. Their parents probably don't like me right now because I'm sure that's all they're asking to go right now. But um, it was fun. And I think doing things like that with children and in a sense, reaching them where they are, you know, that's like the tag phrase for most churches, reach you where you are. Instead of saying, well, okay, everything's canceled. We didn't want to do that because they really look forward to this camp. You know, it's not a babysitting service. They come in and they really get into it, but they do dance, visual arts. They actually learn how to play musical instruments. I teach fashion as well. This year I did a lot of visual arts and virtual things like that. Um, And then we added other elements like doing journaling. We did yoga, Um, just really fun things that usually these kids are not doing in their regular life, but it's exposing them to it. So then naturally, if they gravitate towards it and they love it, their parents can follow up. And we're always, they always tell them before we leave, we're not going to leave you. We're going to log off, but we're always here to be your mentors if you need us. So just Uh, really important, really important. That's a really great program. And I think today you have a meeting. So I I do. So the the lady that started the, the camp, the foundation that does the camp, um she is actually embarking on a bigger mission to open up an art school here in arkansas actually in Maumel where i live and right down the street from here so imagine like an art school where you're going and learning but they're they're teaching things like science and math and english but relating it back to art so it's making it fun and interesting and then still doing creative things but learning the things you're supposed to learn i wish Like when I was little, it was there because I didn't really love school like that. I hated art. I mean, I loved art. I hated like math and English and loved science because you could still get creative. So to be able to have a school like that here where kids can actually come and have an extension from the camp, I think it's amazing. I'm looking forward to it. So today it's her big hearing and I'm going to do a statement just to just support her and just say like, hey, this is needed. Inclusion is important. And for those kids who can't afford to go to like the highest private schools here where they have great art programs, this is the next best thing. That's great. I'm really excited about that. And I can't wait to see your online movie. Um, for anybody who's listening on a podcast, um, your video from New York Fashion Week Women Grow, I will have that on there. Awesome. And then 
anything else that we have pictures or, or discussed, we'll put that up on there. And you have a YouTube channel as well. I want yes. to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much, Mary. You know, I love you. Working with you was probably the best. I didn't have to think. I love shows like that where I don't have to think about stuff. So thank you for just being who you are. And you're a little sassy, little firecracker. I love that about you as well. And just always supporting. I love the fact that you support designers and you love the art of design and you love the art of fashion. And you're a little political too. And you're, you know, you don't mind just saying what you, you, you say. And I love that about you. So keep being you. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to showing you like previews of my movie. Maybe I can get some tips. I am so excited. Sneak like, peek. You know Give you a sneak life. peek. Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> all right bye bye thank you so much bye guys love you go on social media and add me on everything right <laughs> and thank you everybody so much for coming on behind fashion with me um and my guest kato momalu you can find her on facebook at kato momalu k-o-r-t-o-m-o-m-o-l-u at Kato Momalu, Instagram at Kato Momalu, YouTube channel at Kato Momalu. Join me next week, Wednesday, August 26th, when I go behind fashion with New York casting director David Milosevic, owner of David Milosevic Casting Agency. See you next Wednesday, August 12th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, and 5 p.m. British Summer Time. All the best to you and yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>